0: It is hard to believe we have been having in-depth conversations about movies since 2011.
1: You are telling me. Producing this show week after week requires a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, one easy way is by using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered.
0: Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links. Give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these great discussions.
1: Season 5 had some great adaptations, like our Meryl Streep Oscar-nominated performances series. We covered adaptations like Kramer vs. Kramer, Sophie's Choice, and The French Lieutenant's Woman.
0: It's a real Sophie's Choice between those books. (laughs) You
1: see what I I did there? Uh, Yeah. Uh, And I don't think it's quite at the level of a real Sophie's Choice.
0: We also did Snowpiercer for our Bong Joon-ho series, adapted from the French graphic novel Le Transpressionnage. Man, I love that movie.
1: We had our two-part 1939 series that included adaptations like Gone with the Wind, Ninotchka, The Women, and The Hound of the Baskervilles.
0: A number of those 1939 movies, like Goodbye Mr. Chips, also tied into our recent 1940 Academy Award Best Picture nominee series.
1: Our naughty children horror series had creepy adaptations like The Bad Seed, Village of the Damned, The Innocents, and Children of the Corn.
0: For our Hayao Miyazaki series, we talked about his take on Lupin III with The Castle of Cagliostro, plus his own The Wind Rises.
1: Some great listener choice picks, too. Viridiana and The Great Escape.
0: And for our David Mamet Wright series, The Verdict, The Untouchables, and Glengarry Glen Ross.
1: Plus, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang from our Shane Black series adapted from Brett Halliday's novel, Bodies Are Where You Find Them.
0: Dive into the sources for all of these at thenextreel.com slash originals.
1: Every book you buy helps support the show. Check out thenextreel.com slash originals today and find your next read. I'm Pete Wright.
0: And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to The Next Reel. When the movie ends
1: And you can become part of our Discord community, learn more about the show, and find out how you can become a supporting member at thenextreel.com.
0: So thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to The Next Reel. We appreciate your time and attention, and we hope you enjoy the show. Okay, Andy, um, Jessica Jones,
1: go. Like it. Right? My favorite thing was the... uh... The tweet that somebody did saying, <laughs> what is up with Jessica Jones and all these amazing female characters and all the male characters are just eye candy. Oh, <laughs> so that's what it's like. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's so good. It is. it is. What a great show.
1: Yep. Have you run it. into anybody who didn't? I No, I haven't. I mean, I haven't talked to too many people about it, but everybody I have talked to Seems to think that it's a pretty solid show.
0: Me too. I don't leave my house, but (laughs) but the mailman. When I talk to so far, one hundred
1: percent of the people I've
0: talked to, which is you, sample set is giant. (laughs) Really like it. I am. I I think it's fantastic, and I think that it is totally worth seeing. I think it's. I, I liked it better than Daredevil, but I also really really like Daredevil.
1: Yeah, and, I, I do too. And I think you said it best, saying that uh, Marvel and the villains that they have on Netflix shows are the most fascinating, complex, wonderful villains that they have anywhere in their universe.
0: Right? I agree with that guy. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're just fantastic. And and D'Onofrio, and um, who's the guy who played uh, the Purple Man? What's his name?
1: Doctor Who? Tennant. It's David Tennant, right? Is that who that was? Yeah. Wow, I'm cutting this part. <laughs> It's totally him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I should have seen that. I did not recognize him as Doctor Who at all. I'm not a big Doctor Who fan. Like I don't, I'm not either. I, but... I, I tried to get into it, and I just I I kind of I'm sure I'm sure it's a show that I would really love if I got past like episode four. But I never know how to start. Like what wh- what is episode four of Doctor Who? Right. With all and these going back All series, the way yeah, back. I, I'm not going to go look. there. Yeah. No. Too much. Too much. Bridge too far. So I really, really like that. And since we're on the Netflix bandwagon, can we talk about Crouching Tiger? Absolutely. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny trailer dropped just as we are recording this. Uh, on YouTube, it'll be in the show notes. It looks so good. It's everything that I loved about the original Crouching Tiger, which I adored, and it and so much. Uh, but but updated, right? It's it's just looks mo
1: better. Yes, it does.
0: Uh, it it does offer uh, uh, Michelle Yeoh a chance to to come back and Harry Shum Jr. Straight off of his uh, his run on Glee. Man, <laughs> that dude can move he's been in a lot of other stuff but this is uh i'm i'm pretty uh, pretty stoked about this one
1: and this is a film not a series uh that's what it looks like yeah, yeah. and yeah. does this have anything to do with the I, I guess this is the same as the crouching tiger hidden dragon the green legend yeah it's it's a title
0: they're they're doing some title swapping i i can't figure out because the the poster that was released is sort of destiny but um, and the trailer and the trailer but imdb has it as green legend with the original title as sort of destiny, so I, I don't know what they're what they're making of that, but yeah, it sounds like they landed on Sword of destiny, which is a better title. Yes. What is yes. a green legend? It's sickness. It's <laughs> a blow plague. your nose. You blow your nose. What do you have? The green legend. That's what you have there. You have an infection.
1: <laughs> it's better than when you get the John Legend.
0: <laughs> I blew my nose and I had the John Legend. <laughs>
1: Oh, I think that's uh, called pretty, derailing is that's what that's good. called. That's pretty good.
0: <laughs> let's, do, let's do it. Let's tell the people we're from right now. Okay, where are we from? This is the next reel on RashPixel.fm. Everybody, I'm Pete Wright, and that over there is Andy Nelson. Hello, hello, hello. And we spoil movies tonight on the show, the second in our Harold Ramus series with the 1981 Army Goof. Stripes. Before we get into that, you should learn more about us at thenextreel.com. Subscribe to the show on iTunes or follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Next Real. And if you've ever really been into old school 80s mud wrestling, you're the sort of grunt who should join us at The Next Real's Instagram, hashtag Pony Prize, hashtag
1: Guess The Movie Challenge. And with that, let's hop into our heavily armed recreational vehicle and head on over to Scotland to check in with our TNR second lieutenant, Stephen Smart. Hey, guys. This week's movie was The Adventures of Priscilla. Queen of the Desert from 1994, directed and written by Stephen Elliott and starring Hugo Weaven, Guy Pearce, and Terence Stamp. This week's winner is At No T.O., who nailed it on Image 2 and is entered once again into the Pony Prize hat. As always, a new challenge starts Friday, so Thanks, guys, and see you later.
0: And we got some follow-up uh, from our dear friend of the show, Ben Lott, writes in with our blot spot. Don't back
1: down, Andy. Thank you. Ben. Traitor. Glad you're on my side. <laughs> the biggest drawback of Caddyshack is that it is titled Caddyshack. There's not one funny moment that is a direct act of the caddies. Everything good comes from the players. In fact, it felt silly that they even left the caddy stuff in to attempt to give a narrative structure because it doesn't work at all. There's never a cohesive story and there doesn't need to be in this kind of madcap comedy. All the comedians were hilarious and I loved their scenes so much, particularly Chevy Chase. However, every scene with a caddy in it made me say, can we get back to the good stuff? Your rank 52 out of 213. My rank 102 out of
0: 213. I don't know what to make of that. I, well, actually I do. And I will tell you, in comparison to tonight's film, I have more to make of that. I look forward to continuing this conversation. <laughs> our uh, so our friend of the show, Per Johansson, writes in, from Sweden, fun where Lou threw away the guns from the broken bubblegum machine. Not directly politically politically correct, but quite funny sometimes. Fun end sequence. Five out of ten sheep, he gives it. The Apparently the word four sounds like f- far, 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 far. It has a funny accent. I don't know what to make of that. But far, <laughs> far equals sheep in swedish.
1: I bet they love hearing you try to say
0: I that. am a mess. That's I am a
1: mess. <laughs>
0: Andy, let's do trailers.
1: So I'm super excited about my trailer, Pete. Tell me why. I it's it's the name attached to the making of it and that is Shane Black.
0: Oh, we do like Shane Black. Sh- Shane Black. Shane <laughs> Black. Sean, Black. Shane Black. <laughs> Oh man!
1: Ah, uh, early mornings. Yeah. Um. It is. Uh, I mean, he he did Iron Man three, and I can't fault him for that. Well, you could try. I could try. It's a franchise. <laughs> you know, it's it's all part of the the universe that that one was tied to, but. Shane Black, you know, he's he's a great uh, writer who started with Lethal Weapon back in the late 80s and has gone on to just write lots of great stuff since then, very big action sort of stuff. And he started directing with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang back in 2005, and I really enjoy enjoy what he brings to the table, both as a writer and a director. This is his next action foray, um, Nice Guys with uh, Russell Crowe as a... Uh, what is he, kind of a, a hitman, I guess you could yeah, say? He's a, like a a yeah, he's like a collector. He's a fixer. Right. And uh, he is uh, collecting from Private Eye, uh, played by Ryan Gosling, and uh, they're investigating the apparent suicide of a fading porn star in 1970s L.A., and they uncover conspiracy. Um, not much of that actually is in the trailer, other than uh, seeing a nice little uh, uh, hint of uh, Kim Basinger in there. But what we do see is just a lot of over-the-top action, a lot of comedy, some great moments between Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe, just just tons of funny stuff. The, uh, the squeals and screams that Ryan Gosling emits in the trailer just um, had me on the floor in stitches. It's just so funny to hear someone like him just screaming like a... Like a a, he's a child. He screams. It's really (laughs) high
0: pitched, like (laughs) scream. It's hysterical.
1: A child is better than a pig. That uh, brought a total different reference to it in my head. But yes, he screams like a little child, and it's great. Yeah, it
0: it looks really really funny, and um, you know, in particular, seeing yeah, seeing Gosling not just scream as a child, but he's you know I'm. I'm used to seeing him as, like, you know, I mean, we just saw him in Drive, right? He's he's a little bit more of that, that sort of take-charge-subdued guy, and watching him just—I I mean, I, I think he is coming out as, for me, as one of the great character actors. Um, and, and I think we're going to remember him that way. When we do our Ryan Gosling series in 2000—what uh, um, do you think?
1: 20, Twenty-four, I think. Fifty? <laughs> 20, is it that far out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. Uh, I think we're going to be looking back at him as as one of these one of these guys. He is, and this looks really fun, and it ties in well because we're doing a Shane Black series next year, which I'm quite excited about.
0: What did do uh, we include? Uh, we we got what's the deal with Predator? What do you know about Predator? This new uh, Predator uh,
1: the, thing. The new Predator. He's thing.
0: doing. He is is writing a, uh, and I think I'm not sure if it's because you know he was in Predator. He was Hawkins in the original Predator. He was right. In it, and he uh, he is writing. And uh, and doing a sequel to Predator, but I don't know if it's a direct sequel to Predator or if it's a it's part of the Predator universe. Like if he's going back to 1984 and he's doing he's doing a sequel to the original, kind of subverting the the universe. I am all in favor of
1: that. Well, the interesting thing is none of those films really tie together that much. Yeah, weird. Like right? Predator Two is really just a different Predator coming to Earth and having mm-hmm. its own little battle against mm-hmm. Danny Glover. So I, I it could be interesting. It does say on IMDb that it is a sequel to the eighty seven sci fi film Predator. So maybe it is more of a direct sequel to that one. Yeah, so that, I hope uh, so. That piques my curiosity. Me too. So anyway, very excited about your trailer. Very excited about Shane Black. Yeah, and that one comes out in May. So uh, check for it when uh, when the spring rolls around. Uh,
0: my trailer, Andy. Hot bed of controversy, don't you think? Yes. In, an, in nerd yes, sphere. It is.
1: Yes, it is. <laughs>
0: Uh this is of course Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice the new trailer dropped last week and it uh, we we get to see a lot more of the fighting between uh Henry Cavill and Batfleck uh and we are introduced to uh the uh fantastic Wonder Woman uh, who my daughter says uh man she looks great she needs to wear more clothes <laughs> of Gal Gadot's uh uh, uh Wonder Woman I i'm not kidding i'm very excited about this movie now i wasn't before but i was told in our slack chat that uh i have become increasingly unforgiving uh about the movies that we watch that is what i've been told
1: you (laughs) know
0: and so i am trying to be more open-minded than i have been i was ready i was armed to hate Uh, When this trailer come out, I was armed to look at this as the injustice of what they are doing to the universe and how could they, and I was really armed for that. But I have decided that I am going to celebrate it, and uh, I think they look good. I even think that the the Superman-Batman meet-cute with Lex Luthor, uh, I found that charming. And I am all in favor of trying to get to know a Lex Luthor with hair. There you have it. That's that's what I think. So this film is uh it's directed as you all I'm sure well know by Zack Snyder and of course stars uh Ben Affleck, uh, uh Henry Cavill, uh, Gal Gadot and uh, Amy Adams as Lois Lane.
1: What do you think? Really? You know, I I've never been a Superman fan. Um you know the Christopher Reeve uh, Superman 1 and 2, I enjoy But the character himself, I've never really gotten into. Um, I really haven't liked any of the recent films. This one, though, I, you know, I don't know. I, I guess I like what they're doing here. I think that it's actually an interesting angle to kind of bring these two together and a great way to kind of set up the Justice League of America. So and, and they are throwing a ton of
0: characters in this. I mean, now it's rumored right. that Ezra Miller is going to be playing the Flash. Uh, and, of course, we already know and have seen the, the promotional photos of uh, Aquaman, played by Jason Momoa. Um, and General Zod is back as a dead guy and apparently playing uh, Doomsday. The, I don't know if he's actually doing the motion capture, but what I understand is that's how they're going to introduce Doomsday. It's um, like a zombie Zod Doomsday, right? Zombie Zod Doomsday. It's actually one word. It's not even hyphenated. Uh, and, and, you know, unf- I, I, a friend of mine, I, I was talking about how I actually am looking forward to this on Facebook, and a friend of mine posted a side-by-side picture of Doomsday next to a troll from, uh, from Middle Earth in the Battle of the Five Armies. And they're, like, at the same angle, and they look identically. They, they, they're, it's ridiculous how, how close they look. That's uh, funny. But I think this is just—this is step one. He's going to change
1: Doomsday. Yeah, I, you know, I grew up with the Super Friends and I always loved that world. As cheesy as those old cartoons were, I had a great time watching them. And this is DC trying to figure out how to do their own um, Marvel thing. And I like that they're trying to figure it out. Uh, You know, I really was not a fan of Zack Snyder's first foray into this, but I don't know. I think that it looks like it could be fun. You know, sure, the trailer might give a lot of stuff away, but at the same time, I'm like, you know what? I'm really not vested in the universe that much, so I'm just looking at it as an opportunity to go have a good time. Andy, that's remarkably progressive of you. Yeah, I'm trying to be. You I'm know? really, I'm, I am, uh, I am, yeah,
0: genuinely surprised at how open you are to, to having fun at this moment.
1: <laughs> I try. <laughs> You've inspired me. What can I there say? There you go.
0: There you go. Andy, I I want you to know. If we ever get into really heavy combat, I'll be right behind you, every step
1: of the way. I'm sure there are a lot of ways I've gone that you haven't. Are you stuck in a dead-end job? We're going to be killed! Oh no. Just keep your hands Not on the killed. wheel and slow down! Not oh, no. Stop it. Personal oh. problems got you down. You can't go! All the plants are going to die!
0: Well, the U.S. Army can turn your life around.
1: Before I knew it, she was walking next to me, singing Do I did it, did it,
0: dum did it, do. Join a whole new breed of professionals. scum!
1: Learn what it's like to feel like a man. Get your body into incredible shape. Muscles, I love those muscles. DUMON!
0: Master important career skills.
1: Oh, what are you going to do with that? This. And this. <laughs> Who's your friend? So Who's your buddy? So I am, aren't I? And represent your country in
0: foreign lands. Gentlemen, we are in Germany! Yeah. So, if you're a man who likes to take charge of your own life...
1: Boom, 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 boom!
0: stripes andy 1981 it's a military comedy film or so i'm told directed by ivan reitman starring bill murray harold ramus warren oates pj souls sean young and john candy along with a lot of great first time actors who are in this and here, they here. They have lines some of them
1: <laughs> some of them yes some of them do.
0: I was very excited to watch this film. I, you know, after watching Caddyshack, which I liked a lot more than you, I think. um, Yeah. I did. I mean, I did. And I I actually found the heart in Caddyshack and the narrative that apparently I am alone (laughs) doing that. I I recognize that I may be uh, hoodwinked by the humor uh, and I am looking at it in a, a more positive light. I remember Stripes really fondly. I loved this movie. I had such a crush on PJ Souls. And, uh, I, so I watched this movie a lot when I was a kid. And so now I've watched it again, uh, as an adult. And <laughs> it, it's, I'm not as fond.
1: I'm not as fond of it as I was. Does that make me a bad person? No, no. I had never seen it, as you may recall. Yeah. Or I had seen bits. I had seen the, uh, uh the razzle dazzle scene and i'd seen the mud wrestling scene Mm -hmm. and that was that was the extent of my experience with stripes Mm -hmm. and you know i i I don't know i really struggled i felt like is this a film i would have liked more had i seen it um when i was younger um according to you it doesn't sound like that's the case but i mean i do have friends who you know this is their Caddyshack, and yes and so I don't know. I feel like I'm a an old stick in the mud. But having just seen it for the first time, I watched him like you know, it's got some some stuff that was fun to watch. But for the most part, I just never felt like it gelled. I never felt like the story was really uh, as as cohesive as I was really hoping it would have been. I watched the movie with my wife last
0: night and and she had never seen it and 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 we were actually in a really nice environment. I have just I have my TV, the big TV. I for the first time mounted it above our fireplace. I hooked up the new surround speakers. Everything was just perfect. It was the perfect environment to laugh at this movie. You could see it well, you could hear it well. There were no problems, right? And and her her first uh, comment uh as as the movie wrapped up was, "Wow." They really should have ended that movie uh, after they left the base and graduated from their second half boot camp. Everything else is a disaster. It is a disaster. It's ridiculous. And I just didn't connect with it. And I, I realize I've seen the movie like a thousand times. I'll bet I've fallen asleep uh, 999 times during the last half of the film. It's, it, is, it
1: is a complete snooze. Well, what's funny is having seen that scene in the past before, I always assumed that that was the climax of the film. Yeah. It, it feels like you know this is the the story of this group of misfits who struggle through boot camp, and they finally pull their stuff together, so they are able to do this impressive little routine and actually pass and and make it through. That was always kind of my impression of it, watching it and then realizing, oh... It's not the end. there's still a whole act to go, and you see this whole you know attempt to or to protect and then rescue this vehicle and, and their troops that get stuck in Czechoslovakia. It just it just was, you know, an exercise of the absurd. It was. Now my,
0: I, I also was not a huge fan uh, of the the beginning this time around, and this is this is me recognizing the irony of trying to become less unforgiving and less critical, <laughs> <laughs> about a movie that's so close to my heart. But here's my contention, that the comedy in this film suffers at the hand of really poor editing. The, the, and I think it's, it's best illustrated in the, uh, in the scene where the, the two guys go to actually um, uh, join the army, right? I mean, they, they go to the, to the office, the recruitment office, and they are having this conversation with the, with the recruiter, and every line seems shot and edited together in such a way that there is a very overtly deliberate reaction um, to, to every line of comedy, and it's just not fast enough, right? It's just not fast enough for us to hear these lines uh, put together in such a way that allows us to string together the joke without any awkwardness. It feels
1: super awkward. What do you think? Am I, am I alone? Uh, you know, I don't think you're necessarily alone. I had a hard time deciding if it was the uh, the editing or just the scripting, or sometimes I really felt like um, I really, I mean, considering this is a Harold Ramis series, this is kind of funny to say, but I really had a, a struggle watching Harold Ramis on screen because he felt like he was always smiling. I mean, he's kind of, I guess, the straight man to, to Bill Murray, but he felt like he always was aware of, of the joke that was happening, and he always seemed like he was kind of smiling as if he was reacting to it, not completely in the scene. And that was another thing that I felt every time I was watching it, uh, or uh, every time I saw him on screen, was just feeling like like he wasn't really in the scene. He was kind of reacting to what was happening within the scene.
0: Yeah, I can see that, and I think that may be a function of him not having done much on-screen work prior to this, right? I mean, it's, for feature yeah. films, like he felt
1: like a, a bit of an awkward actor he did he did and i i I think that uh, the two pair together i mean i think that there's something to be said for the editing just not uh, not quite being paced properly now i mean some of that could be the pacing of a film edited in 1981 for an audience back then who wasn't used to things kind of cut as fast as we are now And now when we watch something that that has the the comedy timing of something that's that old, it might feel a little more slow paced. Do you think, I mean, really? Well, I think there's something to that. But then I was going to say, you know, that being said, I think there are plenty of comedies from that era that I still find funny.
0: Yes, but I also don't feel like, I mean, this th- This was cut together in a way where these comic lines uh, in this comic scene, I mean, you drive a truck through these things. It was just, it paced so weirdly, um, and uh, as if you really get the feeling that they wanted to leave room for the actors or for the characters to stop and look at each other and appreciate their own humor. That's what I kept finding <laughs> in this yeah. thing. Like, it just was not paced very well. I think there's another piece to that, which is the use of, of music uh, and, and potentially just sound, uh, the the overall soundscape, but there are a number of sequences that felt really dated in the use of music that they found a theme. Uh, there were two major themes, right, uh, in this film. Right, the, the heroic kind of Western military march, mm-hmm. and the other was the... This was the winger's theme, right? The kind yep. of uh, uh, rag. Uh, and those two themes were used so much yeah uh, they became really tiresome once you once you get the once you start start to hear it it's it's like you just want them to shut up and yet when they're not used in in some of these scenes that you just feel like there should be some music kind of driving this the this thing forward there should be some sort of soundscape driving this this scene forward something to show us to to keep us into it because when the silence hits between the the comic lines i found myself just... Uh, really um, frustrated that I wasn't I wasn't getting it fast enough.
1: Yeah, the music. I don't know. I I have issues with. Um, I think some of it just boils down to my my opinions of Ivan Reitman and the way he puts a film together. Perhaps talk about that. Uh, well, uh, first let me jump into Elmer Bernstein because you you were talking about music. I really like the themes in this film. Oh, t- um, uh, absolutely agree. I, I think Elmer Bernstein is an, is an amazing composer. He's done tons of great stuff. Um, and I think that uh, in this era of his career, he started tapping into doing uh, some comedies. And I think he does a great job with the comedies that he was doing around here. Um, that being said, I do feel that having so uh, such a small number of actual themes feels like it gets really repetitive. It's like the same thing. I my big problem with Last of the Mohicans. It's like the theme is great, but geez, if you play it throughout the entire movie, the same theme, it just really makes you hate it by the time you get to the end. Yes, and that's how I felt here. It's like I, I did enjoy it, but you know, give me something new, because otherwise, it doesn't build. It doesn't. It doesn't uh, take me anywhere. It's just the music that's just playing. Yeah. I do think that there were times where it felt like they needed music that they didn't have any. And it's just like, those are times, you know, come up with another theme, put something else in there, Elmer. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So I, I did really enjoy the music despite my issues with the way that it was used, but yeah, Ivan Reitman, I mean, I enjoy some of his films. I mean, he's, he's directed, uh, Ghostbusters. I mean, he's directed, um, gosh, what else has he directed? He did, um, well, you know, well, I, know. Uh, you Dave, know I, I really like Dave. Yeah, right. I mean,
0: well, I mean, Meatballs was was one uh, of those that it makes me want to watch again, because I feel like it between sort of Meatballs, Stripes <laughs> leading into Ghostbusters. I think we would see a lot of learning going on with with Ivan Reitman. But then again, I, I also well, loved Kindergarten Cop. I thought that was really fun.
1: Yeah, Kindergarten Cop was fun, actually. I mean, I haven't seen that in ages, but I do remember enjoying it. I actually, not having ever seen Meatballs, I actually just watched it for the first time as well, just to kind of compare it with Stripes. And not kind of not good? I, I really, really didn't care for it at all. I mean, Bill Murray, to me, was really the only reason to watch it. Um, and it was just, I guess it wasn't really what I was expecting either. Um mm. You know, not that I really knew what to expect, but I just, I watched it and I was like, eh, it kind of a very low middling. Where, how does it comedy. compare to,
0: and I know you're not a fan of Wet Hot American Summer either. How does it compare Which, to I've that? I've never seen I've it. Oh, seen you've that. never seen it. All right. Uh-uh. All right. No. Well, so, you know, I also, I think the first um, sort of serious adult comedy that I saw of Ivan Reitman was Legal Eagles, and I actually remember that
1: fondly, but I wonder if I should not, just not watch it again. I'm curious to rewatch that one. Um, you know, I don't know. I I, I think that he is a a director who may have found a better career path in producing (laughs) some of the work that he's produced. I think I like more than some of the stuff that he has actually directed. Did you see Draft Day? I didn't see Draft Day, but I didn't hear much good about it. No,
0: me neither. It just came and went.
1: But I mean, he he produced uh, Up in the Air with his son directing. Um, I love that film. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he produced Private Parts. Um, I, I really liked that film. I think that, um, you know, I I guess he's just hit and miss all around because some of the stuff that he's produced, you know, I don't think is that great. So I, he's a director who I think was kind of tapped into the same circles as Harold Ramis back in the early parts of his career. And I think that, uh, I think that they kind of found ways to uh, work together well for the time period. Animal House, Meatballs, Stripes, those were very, they have a similar tone throughout all of them, and I guess maybe it's just his his sensibilities just don't jive with me. Maybe that's it.
0: You know, he's producing a 2017 launch of Baywatch on film, right? You know that? I did not know that. You know, that's it's going to uh, star uh, Alexander Didario, who was most recently in San Andreas as the daughter. She's also in the Percy Jackson movies, and The Rock, and Zac Efron.
1: Too uh, funny.
0: Uh, is it? Is it funny? Yeah. It's,
1: it's sad. Funny. <laughs> it's better. It's kind of that sad funny. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. So anyhow, um, yeah. I'm, I think I'm with you. It's a little bit hit or miss. And I, uh, you know, I don't know. I think there's enough that I do uh, like of of Ivan Reitman. I think I, I give him enough credibility or, or enough sort of emotional credit from my experience with Ghostbusters that I'm I'm kind of willing to let it go. But so this one, um, this one was that was frustrating in in that regard. Yeah. So I always feel like I go in, high, you know, with high hopes, and I'm I'm a little disappointed. But you're right, man. If it's if it's in the family, up in the air is obviously a big favorite around here. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so I, you know, I read a quote from Bill Murray uh, who says that you know this film was it was it was very much like life on on barracks making this movie. You know, it was cold. It was you know I, this was in the context of him regretting making a film uh, where he you know carried a machine gun all the time.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Right. Uh, How well do you do you think it it captured the experience of living on the base? Like, do you I I have zero experience living on an army base? Zero. And, and yet I still find (laughs) a little bit incredulous that they're driving
1: tanks like up to the door of the barracks where they live. Do they still do that? Is that a thing? (laughs) That, to me, was uh, a perfect example of Hollywood filmmakers getting access uh, from the Department of Defense and getting kind of a partnership with them, um, getting access to Fort Knox so they can actually film all of those scenes and saying, hey, let's play with all the toys that they're letting us use. You know, <laughs> all of then, them, at once. Right. Let's put all these tanks here. and then Let's move them here. Let's have them driving here and here. This felt yeah. very much like
0: the Star Wars uh, Episode 4 re-release. Like,
1: more do you know? It's like... <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. It's very funny to see exactly what they were doing there. Uh, You know, I I will say production-wise, Ivan Reitman did say it was great working with the Department of Defense because these military people are trained to do what you tell them, and they do it very efficiently. So it was great being able to say, okay, well, let's get everybody here, and they would actually get there really quickly, I mean, relatively speaking. And and be ready for the shot, and uh, that's you know not always the experience with uh, the, the Hollywood folk. So I, th- I thought that was pretty funny.
0: The film was uh, originally uh, slated for Cheech and Chong. This was going to be yeah. a Cheech and Chong go to the ar- go join the army film.
1: Right, right. Uh, yeah, they they wrote it as such. He came up with the idea during Meatballs, or I think during the premiere of Meatballs, and he pitched it to uh, to the studio, and they they loved it. They signed off that day to go do it. But then they had a problem getting Cheech and Chong to actually agree to do it without wanting complete control over the project. And so that, uh, you know, ended that decision to get them. And they decided, hey, well, let's let's write it for these guys. Let's write it for uh, Bill Murray. And Bill Murray wanted Harold Ramis. And uh, there you go. Now you got the two of them. Yeah, it was, uh,
0: and, and it, it seems like there was some contention around having Harold Ramis on on screen, and which may have been, as we've already said, uh, rightful. But I, I think, uh, I, I think it was Bill Murray who said, "I'm not going to do this without Harold Ramis."
1: You know, it's funny. I read a lot of different reviews about that, and everybody seems to love Harold Ramis in the film. So maybe it's just us. <laughs> <laughs> and, and,
0: and I don't, it's not like I don't, you know, just, I, I just think he looks like a very sort of new actor. I mean, you don't have that that same kind of, um, he just doesn't have that same sort of confidence on screen that certainly that he demonstrated in in Ghostbusters. Um, it, that it just felt very much more like a Bill Murray movie with Harold Ramis next to him than it does a buddy movie with Bill Murray and Harold Ramis.
1: Yeah, it, it feels like he's doing sketch stuff. Yes, like he yeah. He's, you know, he's you know Saturday night live reading the prompter off yeah. the screen like that's how he feels through this
0: does the extended cut make this film better i watched the the cut i was introduced to in the 80s and i i loved then and and it was the one i was most familiar with
1: but uh, i've never seen the extended cut how did did it make it better it's uh, that's the one version that i now can say that i have seen um uh, but, you know, they have this wonderful feature on the disc where you can uh, have a little icon pop up every time it's a new scene. So I watched it with that. So at least I would know what was new and what wasn't. Um, the stuff that I was always kind of bored with, like the scene when they are, uh, they go on a, a kind of a weekend leave, I guess, and head on down, ending up in uh, the jungles of Columbia. Uh, just the two of them, um, uh, uh, Bill Murray and Harold Ramis. And... uh then they uh, then they kind of work their way back after having been uh, kind of held hostage briefly by some uh, jungle uh, some or some gorillas out in the jungle. It was it was pretty much nonsense. Like I can see why they cut it, and uh, in fact, that's how most of the scenes felt. Starts, felt... starts to
0: sound like volunteers. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> you yada. It 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 just didn't uh, it just didn't work. Um, I I really felt like they should have just left all that on the cutting room floor and just left it as uh, as you know bonus material. You could have just watched as outtakes. They didn't need to put it back into the movie because I I felt like it really slowed it down. It was about eighteen extra minutes of stuff, and I wow. just don't think it needed any of that.
0: It was already right. so that takes it over two hours.
1: Just over it was like two o four. I think.
0: Yeah, it, it should never have been longer than about an hour and five minutes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That was the reduced cut. <laughs> yeah, I think,
0: they should do a reduced cut.
1: I think only the, I only know of the Coens actually doing a director's cut that was shorter, that was shorter. than the original
0: <laughs> cut. <laughs> Um, okay, so we've talked a little bit about Harold Ramis, uh, Bill Murray. Uh, it, Bill Murray is the thing, is the guy for me that makes this this film funny because it's it's his bits, uh, his speeches, his monologues that that are what stick in my mind, and they are what elevate this film to something that is memorable, uh, something that is imminently quotable, uh, something that I laugh more about than I do at.
1: Yeah, I mean, Bill Murray is the reason to watch this movie. I mean, he has a lot of great lines, a lot of great moments throughout the film, and it's really fun to watch him do it. And it's really fun to watch him play off of Warren Oates, who is just—I mean, I will uh, say—I mean, he's he's fantastic in this film for um, not not having as big a part, but I mean, he's great as as uh, was it Hunka, Hulka, Hulka, Sergeant Hulka, the Big Toe. (laughs) Saying like a hunk of hunk of burning love, apparently completely <laughs> different. But yeah, Holka, Holka Burgers, right? Holka Burger, yeah. Yeah, he's uh he's great. I mean, he's uh, in some of Sam Peckinpah's films in the 60s and 70s, uh, some of uh, Monty, Monty Hellman's films. He's just one of those guys who has a great look and he's been in a lot of great stuff. And then right toward the end of his career, you see him in something like this. And he is uh, just so fun to watch just, you know, kind of being this drill sergeant in this silly comedy. And he plays it really well.
0: Yeah, I I think he does. And, uh, you know, he's the... He he makes it funny. He even makes it funny when he's not around. I think you know when he gets blown up by the rogue mortar, um, you know, and we lose him for a little while. That it, once once at least for me, once I've seen the film, he's the thing I'm looking forward to bringing back. Um, and uh, and and then they don't really use him uh, terribly effectively for the second half of the film,
1: which yeah, is unfortunate. I, it is. It's it's unfortunate. Uh, you know, and that's just that ties into some of the problems with that last part. Is. You've got this whole storyline with these guys who basically steal the vehicle uh, to go on a joyride and go pick up their ladies over in Germany. And their troop has to go out to try to find them. And their troop gets captured by these Russians in Czechoslovakia. They, our um, heroes, go to save them uh, along with Holka. And they do save them and they get everybody out. But then they're all of a sudden the heroes at the end. It's like, why are they heroes? Why? And, and it was nice seeing Holka and them kind of working together to kind of help make it all happen, um, and I did, despite my problems with the ending, I did actually like seeing that final moment between Holka and uh, Bill Murray's character. I, I thought that was actually quite um, just a, a nice end to their relationship.
0: Well, it was the Mister, it was the Mister Holland, op- uh, uh, you know, kind of moment of the film.
1: Yeah, exactly, and you know, we kind of needed that, but. That being said, just that whole ending was just like they're clearly it, this whole thing is because these guys did something really stupid and illegal and the fact that all of a sudden everybody's a, you know, a hero, it just it seemed so dumb. Mm-hmm. And for the life of me, I could not figure out what they were doing with the ending of this film. So it just it was so bothersome. Um some of the the sort of
0: ancillary characters uh I I did find really amusing. John larroquette as Captain Stillman, I crack up at him every time he's on screen.
1: I did find him funny. I you know, uh if only I could be a loofah or whatever his line yes. was. I ought <laughs> ah, to be a loofah. That was a, a great little line. And, you know, just his silliness. I mean, he reminded me of kind of those over-the-top um, you know, silly like he actually reminded me of the uh the the head, I don't know what his role was the sergeant in the uh, police academy movies. yes, yeah. yeah he kind of had that same sort of sensibility um but he worked really well so and this was his first uh, one of his first films too so
0: john John Volstad, I think is his aide is is equally uh, funny trying to make sense of of Larikque on screen. I think he he ends up working really well too.
1: Yes, he does. He does
0: not. He's uh, he's got a, a, a lot of credits to his name. This Volstead, and he's he's one I uh, a lot of TV uh, one I don't I don't know uh, too much of, um, but he's been in a lot. And his IMDb uh, uh, page is woefully understocked with information.
1: John Larroquette actually broke his nose during the filming of this. It was the scene when he realizes that the EM50 has been. Uh stolen or it's missing and he he turns around and comes running back into the room to report it and somehow the door uh, got got stuck and he he ran right into it and and just totally broke his nose and it was just like spurting blood everywhere out of it (laughs) and so that ended that shoot and actually you see through some of the um later scenes in the film you can actually tell that they had to put makeup on his nose to kind of hide the the swelling and everything.
0: Oh, that's too funny.
1: So, yeah, that was a uh, quite a a mess on set.
0: Conrad Dunn as Psycho has been in a lot of stuff. Man, does he become a face you just discover uh, once you see him in this movie?
1: You know, he is one of those faces that's like, oh, yeah, that guy. You know, he's definitely yeah. a that guy sort of guy. And, he sure uh, is. But it's, And it's funny because he definitely has been in a lot of stuff, but it's just like I never would have placed him as that guy. Totally. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, it's him. So, yeah, that's yeah, a lot funny. of bit parts. He was he was good as psycho I'm going to kill you. You touch me, I'm going to kill you. I thought that was kind of funny. I I don't know if they were intending it to be this way, but considering uh, considering Robert uh De Niro's character in Taxi Driver mm-hmm. as kind of a, a vet it seemed like they were kind of go, playing with that and going that route for Psycho. Oh, like, I think so, he, yeah. it's totally, like, gonna be the, uh, the guy who's driving taxis later in his life. But the, the thing that's funny about
0: that is that they gave him this personality of Psycho before he had experienced anything of war. Like, he's just, yeah, he's... he is already PTSD before he has any, any experience with battle, exactly. uh, which I thought was funny. Um, funny. Uh, Judge
1: Reinhold, this was his uh, first film, feature film appearance and he gets um all of the bits that they felt were the best cheech and chong bits from their original draft he gets all the drug bits no he was he was funny but he's no cheech and chong well yeah i don't i don't think much of cheech and chong either but <laughs> right so you get my point uh, exactly he's also uh he's
0: also no um what was his character in fast times uh, richmond high it was uh he was brad hamilton right He's also no Brad Hamilton. Like you sort of, I, I, I kind of was underwhelmed by uh, Judge Ron Holt. I think he, he learned a lot.
1: Yeah, you know, it's fine. It's, uh, it's just one of those bit parts that, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, it worked. It, it, it works in context of what they were doing at the time. I don't really care much for it now.
0: John Candy is one of the only uh, uh, soldiers who didn't audition. He, he was just known and they liked him and they put him in the film.
1: Yeah, and this was one of his, uh, if not his first, like, U.S. breakout film. He had yeah. done some other a bit parts in films like The Blues Brothers and 1941, but this was a much bigger, meatier part. And actually, I shouldn't say breakout, but it certainly helped get him more parts. Splash was probably more of a breakout for him, because he certainly had the bigger part there. we got to talk about the ladies. You already mentioned P.J. Souls, who um, we, I don't think we ever brought her up, but she was in Carrie. She played... Uh, normal watson
0: she sure was and she's she's really the the cult classic kind of um you know horror actress right she was in halloween she was in carrie i mean she's done rock and roll high school rock and roll high school right sure she was um um, what's her name in in that film it was uh riff riff randall Randall. right 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 um which was you know like high school musical but better (laughs) (laughs) Well, you say that now, Pete. <laughs> yeah, right. I say Go put no, it on. No, I mean that. I really mean that <laughs> in every possible way. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um yeah, so she's she's really got that kind of uh, that kind of thing going for her. This th- that was 1979 and and according to an, an interview I saw with her, she's she says she really appreciated Rock and Roll High School because she knew that would be her last uh her last teenage role. Um uh, you know, and and she, you know, largely pulled it off um uh as as a teenager but uh, everybody in that film was just sort of ridiculous and then her very next film uh was private benjamin as uh, private wanda winter uh uh, immediately goes into uh the military uh films so she's got this is her little duet 1980 private benjamin uh, 1981 stripes
1: it's very funny that um, Private Benjamin and, and this came out so close together. It, it feels like, you know, those, those competing films that studios would have, like yeah. Deep Impact and Armageddon and the two Snow White films and all that sort of stuff. And it's so funny, especially look, reading the, the descriptions. And I, I saw Private Benjamin when I was young and I actually I really liked it, although I can't remember a thing about it now. But that plot is a sheltered young high society woman joins the United States Army on a whim and finds herself in a more difficult situation than she ever expected. And then Stripes is two friends who are dissatisfied with their jobs decide to join the Army for a bit of fun. Yeah. It's like, gosh, they sound like identical films. Now, what I
0: remember of Private Benjamin is that it was much more sober, right? I mean, that there were, it was funny because Goldie Hawn is funny. Um, but insofar as it was, uh, it, it took the military part more seriously. Is that how you remember it?
1: Yeah, I think so. I yeah. mean, they must have because she and Eileen Brennan were both nominated for Oscars for right. the film. Right. Right. It was and much. Then, it
0: was. There was very little madcap.
1: And then partway through it, like she graduates and she falls for a guy, or she leaves the military, or something. She falls for Armando Sante. But, and then it turns out he's a communist and she has decided, is she going to stay with him or is she going to like report him or something like that? It yeah. kind of military was like the first half and then the other stuff was the second half.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I have a, a pretty poor memory of it myself, but I I think that that one is, it. I don't know, it probably holds up a little bit better. Might want to, we, we should add that to something. We
1: should put it on some list. Yeah. Somewhere. It needs to go on a list. Yes. Sean Young was the other of the two women. Mm-hmm. Uh, lovely Sean Young. Um, she's never been one of my favorites, but she has been in some interesting films. So I'll give her that. <laughs> and here, here she's fine. She, <laughs> she's fine. She's <laughs>
0: cute. She matches with Harold Ramis. Like it just, it, it's, it, they make a good pairing because we have to have that kind of madcap pairing scene where they're like teenagers, you know, in the, the colonel's house, um, or the general's house. The, um, I, I, when I watch Sean Young, I can't help but watch her and think about all of the the stories that i've that i've heard about how difficult she is to work with that's yeah that's kind of where
1: my head goes <laughs> or even like not even when she's working with somebody but when she was presenting or announcing the oscar nominations that one year and um what's his name julian schnabel was nominated for best director for um your favorite Um, diving bell and the butterfly, and she was like, "Who is he? What is this? Why are these people getting nominated?" Or like went off on him. It's just so strange. Uh, Anyway,
0: it it's sort of a ridiculous conceit, like much of the rest of the movie, having these two um, MPs so overtly trolling for um, for privates. Right. Yeah. Uh, But uh, but you know, it was fine. It is what it is.
1: It is what it is. I'm gonna go watch Blade
0: Runner for a change of uh, or palate cleanser.
1: There you go. Um, I liked John Deal in this. I thought he was fun as kind of the idiot. Um, I thought he played that part really well. <laughs> the best. And I thought he was really good. Like he and John Candy were a great duo. I actually really liked the two of them on screen together. Dave Thomas pops up in here, uh, the Canadian actor who was um, Doug in Strange Brew. Um, he is the, the, I don't know what you call him, a referee? The <laughs> that the mud wrestling? Yeah. Uh, is, is, that a, is, a is that what you call him? I don't know. I'm not quite sure, <laughs> uh, but yes, that is him uh, in there. So I thought it was uh, funny to see him pop up in there. They do. They call him. They credit him as the MC. The MC. That's yeah. probably a better, term better than ref. Idea. I think. Yeah.
0: Because there was a ref. That one of the ladies was in the ring with a whistle. I guess that's. I guess that's true. She yeah, was the. She would be the ref. Yeah. 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 That was a that that was a tough scene to get through.
1: Yeah. It just. It felt. It, it really felt. Period. like that seemed to be something that existed back then <laughs> can you like, yeah i, I mean, don't I think was you can, can you... actually go to a mud wrestling ring anymore
0: i'm gonna i'm gonna ask the internet right now portland mud <laughs> wrestling can you can you do that portland and you know what it comes up as uh something that's uh, look at this yelp best mud wrestling in portland oregon wow how about this the country is ready for Pudding Wrestling at Portland's inaugural Pudding Wrestling Massacre. Mud Wrestling Party on north or on Southeast 72nd and Fur. Yeah, that's about right. That sounds about right. <laughs> it's about where you'd expect it to happen. And, of course, the Reddit thread, any good mud wrestling in PDX.
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, no. So apparently that still exists, and that's unfortunate for us as a civilization. The only other thing I was going to mention is that Bill Butler shot it. Um, And we talked about him with uh, Jaws.
0: Oh, that's right.
1: It didn't strike. There was nothing in there that that really struck
0: me as just blew me away cinematographically.
1: The only thing that really that I actually wrote down was there was a beautiful um, sunset shot uh, with the troop silhouetted as they were walking back and they were singing like the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines song. Oh, you're right. Um, That was the one shot that's like, "Ooh, boy, that is a beaut. Just bright orange silhouette. Yeah, that, was that, really that to me stood out as like the one thing that was like, yeah, that's that was uh, worth noting for that moment.
0: You know, we should probably talk about uh, the writing credits. We've talked about Ivan Reitman, but this thing was written by Len Bloom, Dan, uh, Daniel Goldberg, and, and Harold Ramis uh, as, um, after he sort of joined the team. And Len Bloom, uh, you know, he, he wrote Heavy Metal, and, uh, and one of the most clever, more recent films that I really like in terms of just family, he did uh, Over the Hedge. Uh, yeah, that which, was fun. Which I thought was really, really fun. He also uh, uh, has his name attached to the most recent Pink Panther, 2006. Poor thing. Um, private Parts, we talked about, you already brought that mm-hmm. one up and then back in the day heavy metal space hunter adventures in the forbidden zone meatballs 3 but only for credit uh, for characters because he had written meatballs before stripes right uh, right dan goldberg he, yeah. uh, is is also responsible for at least as a producer and and many more credits as a producer than as a, a writer uh as a producer of uh the hangover movies which i actually quite like
1: i like the first one so yeah you know, at least at least there's that <laughs> so we have that in common which is nice yes. uh so and any he, any comments yeah,
0: and, about the about these guys as writers uh
1: no uh, not really other than i was going to say um that uh dan goldberg really uh, i don't think writing was what he generally did he did do writing a few times but he really is kind of uh seems like one of those guys who's kind of uh Just an old friend of Ivan Reitman's, and the two of them seem to be pretty attached at the hip, as far as working together Mm -hmm. on a lot of projects over their careers.
0: And and he did direct only once, Feds, with uh, Rebecca De Mornay and Mary Gross uh, in nineteen eighty eight. Remember
1: that? I remember that one. You do? You remember? I don't. I remember the trailers. I didn't watch it. I remember it coming out. (laughs) (laughs) How did it? uh, How did it do? This film did really well for itself. Um this film, uh, you know, we had talked about a lot of 1981 films. We did a whole series on 1981 films and if you recall, um none of them were <laughs> none of them were in the top uh the top 20 <laughs> of the grossing films. We picked some rather obscure titles. I think American Werewolf in London was our highest grossing. Yeah, right? And that came in at number 23. Um Time Bandits, that was in a different in a Terry Gilliam series, that came in at number ten for 1981, and of course Raiders of the Lost Ark came in at number one. This film actually came in at number five for the year. It it did really well for itself. This film cost ten million to make, which is about twenty five point six million in today's dollars. Ended up making about uh, 85, just over 85 million, which is about uh, 218 in adjusted dollars. So this film did really well for itself, making about $1.8 million per finished minute.
0: So it did better than Thief, is what you're saying.
1: (laughs) I'm saying it did. (laughs) All
0: right. (laughs) Uh, I think it's about time for us to rank it. Let's do it. Head over to flickchart dot com slash the next reel and uh, make sure you sign into your account there and uh, and and st- start uh, ranking movies with us uh, and we'll see. I think this one uh, I'm I'm a little bit worried about it. I'm not I'm not confident it's going to break
1: um, the top hundred. I'm wondering if it'll break the top two hundred because we're at two thirteen. This would be our two hundred fourteenth. So uh, let's see. All right, kicking it off. Stripes versus Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?
0: Oh brother, oh brother. Yeah, starting starting off indeed. Uh, sadly
1: stripes or the sandlot <laughs> i will say sandlot you will oh yeah much more fun to watch that movie okay sandlot stripes or escape from new york stripes i will watch escape from new york no you <laughs> will I not watch this. not I if I, I, have I have my way not if <laughs> well, i have my way well let's find out mm-hmm.
0: then.
1: <laughs> that was a that was not a great experience andy I would so much rather watch it than Stripes, though.
0: Here we go. One. Okay. one, two, three. Two. Three. Paper.
1: One.
0: Rock. One. Oh, two. Three.
1: Rock. There you go. All right. Stripes or 1958's The Blob. I'll say The Blob.
0: I can I will. I. I won't say the blob. I won't say the blob. And I don't feel like you've been overtly generous this this ranking yet. So we're gonna have to do it again.
1: No, I'll give you stripes. Oh, really? Okay, I'll you've just earned I mean, yourself I'm, some I'm, points. I'm, I'm. I'm being generous. Now. All right, there you go. Because I mean, Bill Murray does have some funny moments, and Steve McQueen uh, is not as funny you, as Bill Murray. I will give you stripes just for the razzle dazzle. Also delightful. Absolutely. All right. Stripes or murder by death. Murder by death. I would pick stripes. Are you serious? <sighs> yeah. Uh, I just really you didn't know care what? for murder by death.
0: I will give you uh I will give you stripes on this one. I have no
1: problem with it. <laughs> oh, stripes or say anything, I will do say anything. I will do say anything too. Stripes or gone with the wind? I'll say gone with the wind despite the uh the issues. No,
0: I'm I, I'm, I'm stripes all the way.
1: All right, well we're gonna have to all do right, it here. All right, here all we right. go. One, two, two
0: three. three. Paper,
1: Godfrey Daniels. This is terrible. (laughs) Oh my, Stripes or Labor Day? Reitman (laughs) versus Reitman. This is great. (laughs) I'm Stripes. I I'll give you stripes. I would pick Labor Day, but I'll give you Stripes because
0: at this point, really,
1: (laughs) at this point, it doesn't matter. Yeah, one ninety three out of two fourteen. It beat two hundred. Came (laughs) close. It came close, though. Yeah. If Uh, I had my way.
0: This, you know, I I think it just demonstrates kind of the hold that these Harold Ramis joints have on us, like on our our memory. And I, I think I probably, given when... He was uh, making these films. I saw them when I was at a very impressionable age, and uh, I remember them as much funnier than they were, uh, consistently funnier than they were. Uh, It's a film with some great, great moments and some great character bits, but they're few and far between, and and, uh, the last hour just sinks
1: it. It's a shame, because I was hoping to get a lot more out of this um, than I did especially because I do like I said I have friends who really really love this film Yeah. I just I, I just you know for me it's just one of those that I'm like you know what I can pass I've seen it now check it off the list don't need to see it again um, the bits that I did enjoy those are ones that I could go back and just rewatch on YouTube if I felt like it there you go where
0: do we go from here
1: as we wrap up our Harold Ramis series we are going to be ending this with National Lampoon's Vacation, which uh, I'm very much looking forward to. I've always loved this one, and you know, I haven't—I've seen it somewhat recently, not uh, as recently as you did. And I'm hoping that my experience doesn't change like yours did last time you watched it.
0: Yeah, I'm—I'm going to watch it again, uh, and I actually hope that it changes back. I'm sort of out, i i am going to be optimistic about that. I'm—I'm I'm worried.
1: Uh, I guess we'll find out uh, next week. What's your uh, Letterbox ranking on this one? You know, I gave it two stars. I feel like I, I kind of feel like it's actually a little generous. I feel like one and a half is probably where I'm at, but I'll leave it at two.
0: I'll give it two and a half, and we'll feel good about two if you give it one and a half. How about that?
1: There you go. That makes me happy. All right. Cool. That's it. I gotta go to bed. All right. Got some mud wrestling to go do in the backyard.
0: Uh, I've got one from Mr. Math Expert. Ooh. He gives it a well considered three stars. Hoo ha! This is you. This is the you is army, the name of his review, title of his review. Uh, there's absolutely no way in the history of armed services that this group of ragtag buffoons would have passed inspection and be deemed fit for military graduation. When I saw Bill Murray doing that ridiculous military parade, I sort of questioned if the U.S. Uh, United States Army sponsored the film, Stripes, and they actually did. It's hard to believe that after 10 weeks of boot camp, the group hasn't gotten used to the routine. Anytime you see a Bill Murray picture, always expect unorthodox results. However, two things will result with Bill. Either he'll be a genius for his bone-dry humor or he'll be an arrogant jackass. In Stripes, he's the latter most of the time. Probably the funniest scene of the film is the getting-to-know-each-other part. It's hilarious. Uh, After military graduation, Stripes falls apart. gets ludicrously ridiculous. Uh, I don't understand why they had to go to Czechoslovakia at all and engage in warfare with these soldiers to retrieve an RV. I agree we didn't talk about that uh, that sequence specifically, the getting to know you part, but it, it ends up being, a, you know, everybody in that scene makes a lot of sense and is good sort of subtle comedy until Bill Murray starts speaking, and then it's a complete uh, mess. Yes. I remember it as being really funny, but when I stopped to actually sit down and listen to it, it's just not.
1: It really isn't. It just It just feels disconnected. So. Really
0: disconnected. Yeah. yeah. Too
1: bad. Well, I've got a one star by Leslie R. N. It's good to know that she's there for a million. Yeah, in case you need help. Uh, she said it's a washout. Saddened by Bill Murray's performance. That's very interesting. That it actually made her sad. The storyline also lacked any punch. A total washout, and do not recommend. Uh, so there you go. Yeah, it, it just made her straight up sad. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Too bad. Well, thanks, Amazon.